Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. If you know anything about me, sometimes I get some random thoughts that pop in my mind. And I've just got to Google it. I've just got to look it up, and I've got to check it out. And a thought occurred to me several weeks ago. I wonder how many children a lady could give birth to in one lifetime, a world record. And then I thought to myself, I wonder how many children a man has fathered in his lifetime. And then the thought occurred to me, I wonder how many monogamous, that is, a one-woman, one-man marriage, could father and parent. And so I Googled it. And I want to give you a chance to answer. But if you know the answer I, that I've talked to, I don't want you to give it. I will cancel you out. I'm going to give five people an opportunity to, uh, sh to guess of how many people, what the world record is for one woman giving birth to children in their lifetime. Five people at any time. Just shout it out. 25, all right. 16. 30. 56. Oh, wow, that's a lot, man. <laughs> Woo. Anybody else? 43, all right, that's five, that's five. All right, now check it out now. If you Google this, this is interesting. This was back in the 1700s from 1725 um, until 1765. This lady gave birth 27 times. 27 times, and that equals 69 children. God bless her. I'm telling you. I can't pronounce the name, but this man and his first wife holds the record for the most children a couple has parented. She gave birth to a total of 69 children, 16 pairs of twins, seven sets of triplets, and four sets of quadruplets between 1725 and 1765, a total of 27 births. 67 of the 69 children were born, were, were born and they survived infancy. This man, when his first wife passed away, he remarried and had six sets of twins and two sets of triplets from his second wife, adding 18 more children in eight births. And so he fathered a total of 87 children. <laughs> I'm telling you, all I could do is laugh at that thought. Wow. Lord have mercy. You know, the Bible speaks of fathers from the, Adam all the way to the end. And the father that I want to zoom in and focus on today is King David. We find David in this passage is he was just a little simple shepherd boy who was kind of underestimated and overlooked in his life. Today I want to label my thoughts with these words. Life lessons from King David. Today we're honoring fathers, and today I want to zoom in on one man who is a father in the Old Testament. This man was a great example of what to do and what not to do. It's interesting how you can go back and you can study the Old Testament, you can study the New Testament, and the men and women that are found therein are human just like you and me. And the more you study them, the more dirt 
you find in their lives. And the more I study them, the more I am encouraged by them. Today, I want to share with you five simple and brief lessons from King David. Just very simple, very practical. As we think about fathers today, men, and this really could be applied to all men and to women as well. Lesson number one, we'll just do these one at a time. It's two words, worship God. Lesson number one from the life of King David is worship God. Now, as you know, in chapter number 16 of 1 Samuel, we find that Saul is king at this time. And he did something that displeased the Lord greatly. And, and God said that your kingdom is going to come to an end and we're going to have another king. And so Samuel the prophet comes to town and Jesse brings seven of his finest boys into that room. And Samuel looks them all up and down and some of them were pretty muscular and pretty tall. And he said, no. Don't you have another child, Jesse? And so he called for David. The Bible says David was ruddy. It's, from my understanding, this means that he kind of had reddish hair. And the Bible says that he was beautiful to look upon. He was goodly to look to. And so when Samuel looked at this young man named David, just a little lad, he said, this is the one. And he anointed him to eventually who would become king. But you know the life of David was a life of, of worship to God. When you read the book of Psalms, you find out that David wrote the vast majority of them. David was a songwriter and a musician. And today, I just want to share this with you. I'm not saying that you need to become a songwriter. I'm not saying you need to become a musician. I'm not even saying you need to learn how to play the harp. Not saying that at all today. But what I am saying today is that with your life and with your lips, all men need to worship God. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, we find that King Saul hears about old David, how he was just a little humble and meek shepherd boy, but he would go out in the fields and he would tend to his flock and he would also play his harp in the field. He was very skilled at this instrument. It's, this was not a harp that looked like the one that, that I own, but it was a, a smaller version and more of a primitive version of the harp. And there he would play. It had fewer strings and, and he was very good at it. And, and so Saul sends messengers unto David to, to request for him to come because he wanted somebody to come and play music for him. If you're a musician, could you imagine the President of the United States requesting you to come and playing music and serenading him? What an honor that would be, whether you like the man or don't like the man. What an honor that would be. And the Bible says in verse number 23 of 1 Samuel chapter 16, And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. It's never my place to tell you what you can or cannot, or should, or should not listen to. But I will say this, that music is spiritual. Whether you're listening to 94.9, or WROV, The Rock of Virginia, or K92, or Spirit FM, music is spiritual. And music will influence you. And here we find that, that in this passage, this verse, it talks about how music will either... Perhaps bring an evil spirit upon you or take the evil spirit away from you. Music is spiritual. So, let us understand that our lives are called to worship God. 
David was a songwriter and a musician. And when you read the book of Psalms and you read the book of Samuel, sometimes his, his songs are found in these words. But, but in Psalm number 18, we find the psalmist said, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. That's a song we sing at church camp with our young people. Another song from Psalm 42 says, As the deer, or as the heart, as the King James says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after thee, O God. We sing it often here from our celebration hymnal. Psalm 48, one of the songs that I like to sing, is great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Psalm 119, 105 is also found in our hymnals. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And then Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. King David was a man who worshipped God. Men of God will worship God. Will you be a man and rise up to the calling that God has placed in your life and worship God with your life and with your lips? May I share with you a second lesson. Not only do we learn worship God from King David, but I want to, as I read chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, I wrote down these next two words, trust God. Trust God. Would you say that with me on three, one, two, three? Trust God. Imagine this, imagine growing up, you know, you were kind of overlooked and underestimated your entire life and you just were tending to the sheep. And by the way, that was not the, the most luxurious job to have. In fact, it was a common man's job to have back in David's day. And there he would go and he would tend to those sheep and he would play his harp for them. And then out of nowhere, he gets summoned to play his harp for King Saul. And then in chapter 17, we find that the Philistines come to town and a giant of Gath is there named Goliath. Very, very tall. Very, very big. Very, very intimidating. And nobody wanted to walk out and face him. And so David hears about it. And remember, David wrestled a lion, he defeated a bear, and, and he runs to Saul and he says, well, let me go out there and battle this guy. And Saul says, David, you can't even carry the armor. How do you expect to walk out there and defeat this giant of Gath who is like triple your size? And David says that God is going to fight the battle for him. Today, I don't know what you're facing in life. I don't know what you might be going through. I don't know what kind of Goliath you might be staring face down. But God can get you through that giant. Just trust Him and all the circumstances. And He can defeat every giant that you face. Whether, whether you, you, you get married and five to ten years into your marriage, you're like, oh, who did I marry? God have mercy. Or you, you, you give birth to some children and you say, oh, Oh, Lord, I can't do this. Oh, God. Just think about that man who had 89 of them. Yeah, that'll encourage you. Trust God. And whatever you may face, you, you might get a job and you say, Oh, I just can't do this. With God's help, you can accomplish anything. There David walks in and you know what? He doesn't pull out the giant sword that they carried. He didn't have all the fancy and, and elaborate armor that, that they would wear going into battle. He took a sling and some stones and he defeated the giant of Gath. From my understanding of this culture, they cover their entire body with armor. They had to be in great physical shape and condition. And from my understanding of this time period, there was a spot on the forehead that was open. 
Nearly every other aspect of the body was closed. And so David must have been skilled with that sling and stone. And he goes and he slings it and it hits the giant. And it's interesting, when you read the Bible, normally if you're hit in the head like this way, you're going to fall backwards. But, but the giant, Goliath, falls forward. And then David runs over, grabs his sword, cuts his head off and lifts it up in the air. And everybody was in shock that the little humble shepherd boy killed the giant of Gath. Trust God. Worship God, and God will see you through it. Lesson number three that I want to take away from the life of David, it trans over into the New Testament. You know, it's interesting, in the New Testament, when you just type in the word David in your search engine on your laptop or your phone, your Bible app, you'll find that David's name is mentioned and or quoted at least 54 times. And in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 is the hall of faith. And all that is mentioned in that hall of faith about him is just his name. But he was a man who had faith. So today I want to write down the third lesson. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Now when you begin to study the life of David, Saul brings him in. He plays and serenades Saul. And then in chapter 17 he comes to Saul and says, Please let me go and fight this giant. God is going to fight the battle. And then people started saying, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. And Saul began to get jealous and envious of David. And the next thing you know, David is playing his heart for Saul to serenade him, and he's dodging daggers because the knives are being thrown at him. And then he's running from Saul. Because Saul is hunting for his life trying to kill him. In fact, we believe that David went to two caves on, two, on, on a few different occasions to hide from Saul. And, and David had the opportunity to kill Saul, but he chose not to. Have faith in God. I know you might not have King Saul chasing your back, but you got another person chasing your back, and that is the devil. The devil is always going to be chasing your back no matter what age or stage you're in, no matter what season you're in in life. He's always going to be after you to drag you down, to trip you up, and so you can fall down flat on your face. But the Bible says, a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. No matter how hard you fall, no matter how often you fall, we can give God glory, praise, and honor that we can rise back up again in His strength and in His help. Have faith in God. If you're here today and you never put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's done on the cross, today would be a great day to do it. Because this Father up in heaven will never leave you, never forsake you. And He died on Calvary for your sins. He rose again on the third day so that we could have a life and have it more abundantly. The gospel is the greatest message this world has ever seen. It is good news. You might read good news in the newspaper, the magazine, or some other uh, Facebook app or something else. But the greatest news that was ever written was found in the Bible. And it's Jesus Christ. You see, David, so far we've looked at his early years. But eventually David would get married. Eventually David would have children. Eventually David would give in to temptation. And the fourth lesson I want to share with you today, not only worship God, not only trust God, not only have faith in God, but I wrote down fourthly. Confess your sin to God. Confess your sin to God. Every person in this room today, in this auditorium, has sinned. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every last one of us has sinned against God. 
We've trespassed. We've broken his law. And we are guilty. A few weeks ago, Brother Ed was in town and he preached from Psalm 51. And we find in Psalm 51 that David prayed his prayer of forgiveness when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Can you imagine? The Bible says that David was, was a man after God's own heart. But David wasn't where he was supposed to be. And it's interesting, whenever we're not where we're supposed to be, we often do things that we are not supposed to do. And so there David is on the rooftop and he sees Bathsheba bathing and he calls for her. He commits adultery with her and then he sends his, her, excuse me, her husband off to the front line of battle and he is killed. Then Bathsheba gives birth to a baby. And David begins to mourn and to weep and to fast and to wail because he knew that God's judgment was on him. The baby was sick. The baby died. Now, I'm not saying today that if you ever give birth to a child and that child passes away, that it's the judgment of God. I'm not saying that's every case. But in David's case, that was the case. But eventually, David would give birth to Solomon. Solomon would become the king. But then he would give birth to a man named Absalom. And when you study the life of David and the life of Absalom, you know that, that Absalom didn't like his daddy for some odd reason. Perhaps it was because maybe David neglected him. Perhaps Absalom wanted to get back to his father. Whatever the case is, I want you to know that, that at some point in time, whether you're fathering or parenting children, it's going to be hard. It can be very hard. But with God's help, you can do all things. And when you do things that, that are not right, when you miss things that you committed to your children to do and to, to attend, ask their forgiveness. Confess, especially to God. There's going to be times when you're fathering or parenting children that you're going to just mess up bad, mess up greatly. And the mature parent owns up to the mess up and ask God for help. I want you to see this verse in Romans. In Romans chapter 4, we find that Paul quotes David. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 4, verse number 6. says these fascinating words. He says, Even as David also describes the blessedness of the man, unto whom God imputes righteousness without works. In verse number 7, here's where I want you to focus. It says, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. There's two places this verse may have been quoted from. It is Psalm 32, verse 1, and perhaps Psalm 51. And in both of those psalms, we know that David has in his mind times where he sinned greatly against God. And no matter how great your sin is, no matter how small your sin is, God can forgive it. Confess it to Him. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's no sin too dirty or filthy that God can't clean up. But now I want to share with you a fifth lesson. We've looked at worship God. We looked at trust God. We looked at have faith in God. We looked at confess your sin to God. But now I want to share with you, fifthly and finally this morning, tell people about God. 
tell people about God. David was not perfect, but he became perfect through his relationship with God. And today, I am not perfect, you are not perfect, but we are made complete and perfect through the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's done on the cross. And then He's called us to tell others about that great message, the good news, that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, and offers eternal life to all those who believe in His name. But in the book of Psalms, we find that the Psalms, whenever we think of the book of Psalms, most of the time, I would think that it's a time where we're just going to worship God, and we're going to lift up our voices in song and adoration and praise but psalms is much more than just music and lyrics to songs. Many of these psalms are messianic in nature. That is, it is looking into the future and predicting about what the Messiah will do. In Psalm 22, we have a great description of Jesus on the cross. And in fact, Jesus quoted Psalm 22 when He was on the cross to signify to the Jewish nation that He was the Messiah. He said, My God, my God! Why hast thou forsaken me? Exact words from Psalm 22. When you read each of the verses in Psalm 22, you find that it is a great, great recap or prediction of Jesus, the Messiah, dying on the cross. In Psalm 16, we find a beautiful, beautiful lyrics for a song. And it says that thou will not leave thine holy one in hell nor suffer to see corruption. And that verse, the few verses in Psalm 16, is referring to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So there the psalmist is looking into the future. And David is predicting and telling people that the Messiah is going to conquer the grave and rise from the dead. And it's interesting, in Acts chapter 2, when Peter stands up and preaches on the day of Pentecost, the great sermon. In fact, what we find in Acts chapter 2 is when Peter stands up to preach, he quotes from the book of Joel. He quotes also from the book of Psalms, and he quotes David. And he talks about how David wrote in Psalm 16 about Jesus and, and how he rose again. And today, as we look at the life of David, we see that his life was not perfect, which encourages me. And it should encourage you as well that if God can use a man like David who was very close with God but who sinned greatly, then God can use you and God can use me to accomplish His divine providential plan. So let's do what the apostles did. Let's take the words of Holy Scripture and let's advance the gospel into our culture. Now, I want to pause just for a moment and share this with you. In our society, there's a rise of women leadership within ministry. And today is not a message of, of theology about that. But I want to share this with you. That I believe the reason why there's a rise of women in leadership of ministry is because the men are not willing to accept the calling that God has placed on their lives. And so God is going to use whoever is willing and available. And so the men here today, I want to encourage you to rise to the calling that God has placed in your life. To go and to advance the gospel into our world. To live a clean life before God and before your family. To have faith like David. 
to trust God in every season and then to worship Him with your life. You got the bulletin there? I thought this was really good in the front. And I want to close by reading the front of the bulletin. It says, A godly father is, F, faithful to God and his family. A, always applying biblical wisdom. T, thankful for the joys and the trials in life. H, happy to provide for his own. E, enthusiastic about the dreams of his kids. R, righteous before God and men. And then excuse me, Proverbs 20, verse 7. The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Life lessons from King David. We can learn to worship God, to trust God, to have faith in God, to confess our sins to God, and to tell people about God. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith, 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.